back to The Bulwark Goes to Hollywood. My name is Sonny Bunch. I'm culture editor at The Bulwark. And I'm very pleased to be rejoined today by uh, the first guest uh, on The Bulwark Goes to Hollywood many years ago, many, many episodes ago, many moons ago. Uh, Richard Rushfield, thanks for being on the show Thank yet you. again. I, I enjoy the, the next week when I can say I was the first and last guest on <laughs> Or work goes to Hollywood. When I when we shut things down here, you I will do that. You will be you will be my last guest. We can run through the the when I when I win the Powerball and I'm like oh, <laughs> I'm gonna go start my own studio. Who's who's coming with me? Yeah. Um, but the studios that's uh, that's what we're talking about today. I wanted to get you on the show to talk about your newsletter from July 4th, which was a a clarion call, independence. Uh, Saint, you know, we need... Saint Crispin's Day. Absolutely. Uh, it was uh, you know. It, it it was feeling like there are a lot of uh, threads coming together right now, just suggesting that this whole thing doesn't work and is headed for something bad. Uh, of which, we, uh, who knows what, what, what is it? The end of entertainment? Is it the end of studios? Uh, will we be swallowed by TikTok uh, or by or by Bollywood or or, or who knows what? Um, and it was just a call to. Um, we're, we're going in a direction that isn't, that isn't working, uh, and to, to stop it, to, 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 to start doing something, uh, do, doing different things. And I, I, I sort of identify the original sin as, uh, going back from even, even before the, um, the streaming wars, the, the era of big IP when, when, uh, when, when Robert Iger, um, made these, these huge purchases of, uh, Marvel and Lucasfilms and Pixar. And it seemed um, before that the the idea had been every studio had to release you, you release twenty movies a year you had two hits you had two flops uh, the rest were somewhere in between if the hits did better than the flops you you had a profitable year and with this big IP strategy um, he he said um, we can make eight movies a year uh, or even less and they'll just all be hits and and we'll, we'll change the calculus and. For a while, it worked fantastically well for them, um, and uh, there, there was a year when Disney alone, one studio, was more than half of the, the world's box office that year. Uh, it, it worked less well for everyone else when they tried to uh, when they tried to copy it, and it, what it led to was this was 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 this idea that we no longer have to look to the hip, hits and flops that we can just. The machine can be bigger than the um, than the individual products, which is something which is something that uh, that the heads of studios had yearned for since the beginning of Hollywood, but just had never had the the uh, formula to do it. Uh, and then came the streaming wars when everything just became content and the fire hose. And uh, I said we need to need to go back to uh, taking pride in movies and programs and what they are and making those the center of the, uh, of our, of our world, not the multiverse or the quarterly earnings call. Can I, all right. So I have, I have a theory about all this, uh, that I've, I've mentioned before, I think elsewhere, and maybe I've, maybe I've mentioned to you before. So stop me if I'm boring you and repeating no. myself, but my, my big theory on uh, the last 15 years or so of Hollywood is that, you know, uh, everybody likes to cite, the William Goldman line, nobody knows anything, right? Nobody, nobody in Hollywood knows anything. Nobody knows what will be a hit or not. And what broke, what really fundamentally broke the industry uh, 
to the extent that it that it is that it does feel like headed towards some sort of catastrophic meltdown is that for a while we did know something we we went from nobody knows anything to we actually know one thing and that is marvel star wars disney uh remakes of anime these are things that will make enormous amounts of money these are things that will make enormous amounts of money and you can spend as much as you want on them because they will make all of that back plus some um and because somebody knew one thing everybody else tried to do it and that is what broke hollywood i mean the idea that nobody knows anything is it was great because it allowed people to make lots of different things uh at varying price points and when they flopped you just said well nobody knows anything nobody nobody knows anything and when one's a hit you're like see nobody knows anything we didn't know this was going to be a hit and that led to not only uh, a healthier landscape in terms of budget levels and all that but it also led to the creation of real art right this was because you could do lots of different things you could make lots of different interesting kind of things and some would hit someone and you you moved on to the next thing and i i i i really think that that one little piece of knowledge has fundamentally destroyed the industry am i am i overreaching here yeah well i think that's absolutely true they uh because we did we they didn't know we didn't know what film would work um individually you could you could never say this movie would be a hit and if you cast this person it'll it, it will make more money or if you or if you you or if you give them a sidekick, it'll make more money. You can you can never really say that, and I think that's uh, part of what William Goldman was was uh, referring to. But you could say collectively, you know, the twenty film strategy that it, that it would mostly pay off unless you hit a really bad unlucky streak. Um, so so we kind of uh, in in the big scale knew something, and it 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 sustained Hollywood for eighty ninety years there. Um, the the big IP strategy was sort of a mirage. Uh, the idea that Marvel Marvel could ha- produce nothing but hits, and that they they would all be successful, and they would all generate lots and lots of toys and rides and everything, um, and uh, and 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 Star Wars and everything, and that, and it it came about by the most sort of fantastic run of execution. Um, maybe in Hollywood history, like I don't, th- I don't think any studios had big hits that me- that that big a string of hits at that level. And it was just Kevin Feige did pull off something uh, incredible, but nothing, la- but nothing lasts forever. And even that wasn't meant to last forever. He, would, he had this; uh, it, it it was all leading to a big climax. And after the climax, they it it was not quite the Marvel that you. That uh, that that you knew it would be, and that was with Marvel. It's, Star Wars has had uh, really big ups and downs, and it's it's uh, it's reinvention. Um, which which you know, I don't think we should undersell what the the achievement of that reinvention and how dead it was uh, when when uh, Iger brought it bought it from uh, Lucas there. Um, but uh, they, these were always going these. None of these were going to last forever, and and everybody thought they were going to last forever. And then, if and everybody who th- who everybody else who said, "Okay, this is how um, you do it," but didn't have a Kevin Feige uh, at the helm with incredible execution that that could turn out hit, it's uh, hit after hit, um, and thought they could just get by with doing eight movies a year and they'll all be hits. They were slaughtered by this because they were. Uh, making huge bets on things that just 
weren't weren't up to that uh, weren't up to supporting an entire studio on the back of one movie. So I, you know, I, I, again, I loved I loved your newsletter, but I am I'm still. I I am I am worried that the idea that you know uh, we just make 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 the movies make them good get behind them and we'll we'll pull out of this thing. I mean I I don't know where the audience is at this point, right? So you look at like look at look at a studio like A twenty four. A twenty four is beloved. They make the best indie stuff. They're making movies for adults. They've got one out in the theaters right now. Past Lives. They've got. Nobody goes to see these movies. I love A twenty four. I I love these. I love them. Um, uh, and they have a very healthy, uh, part of the box office curve that is like eight to $14 million. Okay. So they, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, the, 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 I mean, the indie sector is the biggest question mark right now, whether, and, and part of that is a lot of these theaters have shut down here in Los Angeles. There's no, there, there's virtually, no, uh, no indie screens to open a, open a film on the, the, uh, the, the, the landmark, which was. Uh, the one on the west side and and uh, the sunset five are, are are gone and the arc light also, um, so you're you're they're, you're trying to open these independent films at uh, at the mall theaters, uh, you know, fighting for se- for uh, for screens with Mission Impossible and it's just it's uh, it's not working. It's it's uh, it's it's very hard. I mean, I so on the flip side of that, I, the, the, there's a, there's the head of a uh, of a uh, of a mini major studio uh, who told me this is the best time to be making films ever. That defies logic and says this is the best time to be. He says there are so many ways you can between. Um, he says you could open it, and if you're smart, you can you you. So you say you spend fifteen million on a movie, uh, and 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 that's sort of the range we're they're talking about here. Yeah, uh, you, you can open it, and if you're, uh, if, but if you're smart, you've pre-sold it overseas. There's so many different so many different venues sell it overseas and then you've got the you've got you've got the fir- the, the the first run streaming and then you maybe you've got a second window streaming and sell it again so that by the time you open these movies you've made your money back and whatever you make at the box office is just uh is just icing on the cake there um it's it's you know it's a very uh playing for tiny margins game there but it but but a lot of these films that look like flops at the box office um have found ways to stay alive. I mean, the what uh, what was the Jennifer Lawrence one? Uh, the the no hard no hard feelings. I mean, I I don't know all the uh, I, I don't know all the deals that have been made on that, but I would not be surprised if that had has enough wind with behind with her behind it, and you know, it seems perfect for streaming. Everything that 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 will make its money back. Um, uh, in 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 all these various channels, it's not the exciting business of uh, of, of of you open a, a movie that was a sensation at Sundance and then it sweeps America and becomes the next Little Miss Sunshine, but uh, it can it can sustain something. Well, this and this brings me to my my second kind of big theory think piece idea about the industry, which is that it never made sense for the studios to be in the business of making billion dollar movies. Right, the the film business should not be a uh i don't know uh stock market darling sort of sort of industry you're much better off making again a bunch of smaller bets some of which pay off some of which don't in the 20 to 40 million dollar range where you can pre-sell the foreign rights where you can you know make your money on streaming uh and and whatever comes in at the box office is just gravy 
I, I do we is is it possible for the industry to pivot to that or would that just destroy the movie theaters which are the ones you know I mean if you if you if you take if you chop out the franchise billion dollar 100 million dollar opening weekend segment of the industry can AMC and Regal or whatever Regal turns into in cinema can they all survive I just I don't know how that works I mean, it's a question mark whether they can survive right now with 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 everything, and um, I think I, I I think I think a lot of the chains are 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 teetering right now, um, still carrying debt from from they were shut down for two years, um, and have uh, big real estate bills and everything um, to pay there. So I I I I think if you if you take something major away from 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 them at this point, you're 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 really uh, ris- risking colony collapse there, um, and uh, but but you're you're right. It's like these, I mean this 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 was uh, this this was what what happened then after we 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 talked about this a day ago. That even five six years ago, quarterly earnings calls uh, nobody paid attention to that. Like uh, my, my 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 partner Janice Min. Was the editor of, uh, of of Oliver Reporter talks about how it was something that the the, the third you had a, you had the junior reporter just sort of write up four paragraphs on these earnings calls and now it is the center of the world and what everybody wondering what is going to come out of it and what is going to uh, and 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 how 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 the subscriber number is going to look for the, this month that is what's the EBITDA how's the EBITDA going and it's we we never paid attention to that you we it was it was you made the anklers rule rule number one is this is a business of hits, and if you have if you have hits, you will uh, uh, be profitable. And everybody just assumed, you know, people people didn't know the details of the business and the financing and the bonds and all that, but they they had a basic sense. Um, if you if you have hit shows and hit movies, somehow or other, it'll end up to, to you making money, which generally was true. And uh, if you have a lot of flops, uh, that's going to cost you a lot of money, and uh, and that's not good for a company. And that worked out. And so, but 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 we we lost this sense of hits and flops mattering to the point of, you know, you you look at these these giant movies that they're making on 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 streaming, um, you know, the the red notices and everything, and uh, not to mention the, the the billion dollar shows that they're that they're making, and we don't even have a sense of what is the goal of this. What would make what would make this a hit? Is there like a number of viewers? Is there a number of new subscribers? It's it's um, so we we don't even know what a hit is anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there. I I sent you. I forwarded you that uh that newsletter from Lucas Shaw over at Bloomberg uh, with this just kind of amazing chart looking at the. Uh, decline and profitability of the studios. Uh, and, you know, look, I, I, part of this is pandemic related. Everybody freaked out because they weren't sure theaters were going to survive. They needed to pour money into streamers. Um, and streaming is a money losing business. I mean, it's it's wild how much money streaming loses. It's it is just an enormous money pit. Um, uh, it, how do from set aside set aside the arms dealers who are selling things to the the studios uh the, the movies uh that they that they have how how 
do the studio heads look at streaming and figure out a way forward uh, profitability to real profitability to to the, the world that we used to have? Because if they don't make it there, then the the you know, the whole industry kind of collapses in on itself. Right. I mean, I haven't seen any model that 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 people are actually talking about that leads to anything resembling profitability in these things. It's just, uh, I mean, I, I think first of all, their, their plan is for them to, for there to be less competition. So other people have to go away or die, uh, is what they, what they would like to plan for. Um, and believe and, and I think that was, you know, the, 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 the initial plan of Netflix was always, I think that they would be streaming and that they, that, that, that to be a monopoly, and at that point, you would have you could you could raise the price of consumers, and you can and you could cut what you pay uh, pay your stars and and uh, and your big expenses. Um, and so, while you're in a situation where every single project is in a five way bidding war, like there's no there's no way to keep a lid on your costs. There, there you you can't possibly raise raise money enough to do it. So I I I think. I, I just I when 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 they talk about the future, you just you just feel like there's this big thing they're not saying, which is either will be bought or will buy someone else or will be consolidated or these other people will go away and these these intangibles. But it, you know, I I think part of the uh, the effect of the strike and the shutdown here coming after COVID and all that is that the the legacy studios. Uh, will are are going to be are are now going to be hit so hard in the profitability um, that uh, that they will be cheap enough that uh, consolidation the 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 moment of consolidation might that that was foretold and warned of for for uh, a decade here may finally be upon us. We'll get we'll get to the strike here in one second. Um, uh, but the 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 last thing about the summer that I wanted to talk about. I mean, you you uh, in your in your newsletter you kind of opened with a you know I don't I don't want, I don't like to make big pronouncements based on you know a couple bad weeks of box office. But this really does feel like a historically bad summer season in a lot of ways, just in terms of of uh, total losses. I mean, like the Flash is going to be one of the biggest money losers of all time. Um, you know, Transformers Rise of the Beast is probably going to lose about nine figures. Uh, we'll see what happens with Dial of Destiny here, but, uh, it had a, it had a pretty, pretty soft open. And if it doesn't have strong legs, that's going to be another movie that loses probably nine figures. Little Mermaid, I, you know, somehow they spent almost $250 million on that movie over at Disney. That, that's going to be another, um, pretty big loss i mean i i like i look at i look at the box office so far and i see four or five movies that may lose nine figures just to, out of what's been released so far which um i i mean i can't remember another i cannot remember another season like this yeah and uh and, and then look on the other side of the ledger and how many streaming projects have i mean i don't know how they how they account how they configure profitability on these things but you have to figure that by whatever accounting, there's could be a dozen shows that have lost nine figures uh, yeah. in in this year alone. Um, yeah, I I would say. The, the, so the thing about that that's scary. It, it, I, I I was reading the the totals and 
total, the box office may not be dramatically down or, or dramatically worse. It's just you have a bunch of films that were too expensive for what they were going to make. So um, in the aggregate, it may be all right, but uh, on on just the revenue side, but but that the the costs fixed into certain films will will get hit with big losses on those, and that's you know, and that, that that's that's kind of the deal. You have to, I mean, you 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 have to be able to make not just make money off the off the movies, but you have to make uh, profits off them too. So um, if they can, if if they need to make you know spend four hundred million dollars to make one hundred fifty million dollars, that's uh, that's not a great business. So one side or the other that has to change. Yeah, it's 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 wild. Uh again, I'm I I for one am pining for the days of more of your your friend at the mid-majors making the 15 to 20 million dollar movie because that's that's a business model that at least makes sense on some level. I mean, the, the, the people that are in that business uh, say that it it's hard and it's a grind, but uh but you can if you can make money on that with the right project and and uh you know, that they they say nothing happens automatically anymore. That you you have to you have to work for work for everything in those in those things. But uh, but they 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 talk a good game about it being sustainable in that. Uh, all right, let's talk strike for a bit here because yeah. we do have. I mean, we are still in the midst of a, a writer strike. I feel like it has kind of slipped out of the the news cycle. You know, folks have moved on to other things. There's a deal deal with the directors. Looks like. The screen actors are maybe getting closer to a deal. I don't know. What are what are your sources saying? I uh, I have sources in the last week, uh, in the last in the last day even, who have told me the actors are very close to a deal and they're going to be signing one. And I've heard as sources that say they're really far apart. It's not going to happen, and uh, the, the actors will go on strike. Um, so I I I can't say which of my sources I believe more uh, or tr- trust more. I. I I think that um, you know Fran Fran Drescher, head of the Screen Actors Guild, she put out this very cheery video about a week and a half ago about we're getting close, we're we're going to have a historic deal, and it's coming soon. And uh, we're just we, and then they asked for extension to finish the uh, to to continue the negotiations, and that seemed um, you know that that would all be an odd set of affairs if they end up walking away. But actors are kind of kind of kind of rage um some people say that if the actors walk out it could just sort of force everything to a resolution that it could be that 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 could make the the studios just say okay this is now we have to get it tied up we have to we have to we have to truly negotiate we have to give some more and uh and and that will be a faster conclusion than if the actors make a deal and the writer's strike could linger on for God knows how long. Do you, uh, I, have you heard anything from the writers or uh, the producers in terms of negotiations there? My understanding is that they are just not talking at, at all at the moment. Uh, so the, the way the producers would, will describe it is uh, we have one negotiating team and um, this, they, they announced the schedule at the beginning of the year for the team, which was the writers and then the directors and then, uh, and then the actors, and then and the the uh, the writers walked out on their uh, on on from their negotiation. The writers would say they walked out because what they were being offered wasn't wasn't reasonable. But uh, so that it's the 
the studio's fault that they walked out. But anyway, they those those talks concluded and broke off, and then they moved on to the directors, and then and did that, and now they're talking to the actors. And when that concludes, they can come back to the to the writers, which um, you know the writers have protested that that this is a fictitious narrative, and they could talk to them anytime they want. The uh, the producer, the studios uh, dispute that, but uh, in any event, it seems to be how whatever the truth of it is that that seems to be how it will go. That they will deal with the writers after uh, they're done with they're done with the uh, done with the actors and. Um, you know, it's a, there, there, it, there is, uh, there is determination on the writer's side and there's also uh real hardship. People have gone two gone two months without, uh, uh, without pay now. And, uh, and I, I definitely know people that this is getting tough for. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a hot, a hot and difficult summer, um, before and it's, it's not. It's not coming to an end for another six weeks at the earliest. So, yeah. um, you know, I mean, I know, you know, I know people at this point who are, who are dealing, who are looking at medical bills, who are looking at school tuition and things like that and uh, approaching some tough choices there. So uh, it's, it's, it's not a, and, and then you have all the other, uh, all, all the other people who are put out of work because production has been shut down and have been yeah. low everything. So it's, it's, it's a tough time and there's no, uh, immediate end in sight here. Yeah, I will say just from my own perspective, again, having uh, talking to a few people, uh, but also kind of watching everything play out on Twitter. One of the biggest Twitter is not real life moments uh, in recent weeks was there's lots of buzz that, you know, the directors were going to reject the deal. Lots of, you know, a lot of directors on Twitter were saying, well, I can't support this because blah, blah, blah. And, you know, there was there was groundswell of opposition. And then uh, the director's deal ends up getting approved by what, 80 three 86% of the votes, something like that. Uh, it was, it was not close in the, in the, as, as someone who's, uh, who, who believes the writers, uh, deserve much more and should get much more, uh, and, uh, support, uh, almost all their demands. Uh, I, writers, Twitter does not do them any favors. It's right. Yeah. Writers, Twitter just seems focused on why doesn't David Zasloff give us his yacht instead of, uh, uh, it's it's very obsessed on uh, on on how much David Zaslav makes to the exclusion of uh, almost every other issue. It seems when you're on there some days, and uh, you know the studio. It's it, it's also a one sided argument because it's, you know the uh, Bob Iger and Ted Serranos aren't tweeting back at them all day, so it's uh, so the, so the, so they're just sort of yelling into a void, which seems to make them yell louder and. Uh, to each other and it's it's uh it's uh it's not it, it is not the uh the truth of how the uh of, of how this is all going yeah uh as a writer who spends a lot of time on twitter yelling into the void i empathize with that <laughs> as well uh the we, you mentioned david zasloff uh we do have to i i there uh, you know i i don't know i don't know what your relationship with david zasloff is like i don't have one so i can he, I, I haven't been on the on on any yacht yet i'll, <laughs> I'll say that but there he it's 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 kind of interesting to watch what's happening at Warner Brothers because it does feel like there are there are tough choices that have to be made. There's a lot of there's a lot of debt that was accumulated. They they got to make some some decisions, and then they keep doing really dumb things. Uh, from my point of view, you know, I like why why poke the hornet's nest by gutting a very cheap tiny corner of the empire 
Turner Classic movies. Like, if you're worried about your position in the the system with the big names like Steven Spielberg and Martin Scorsese, why are you messing with that? Um, or this thing with GQ, you know, I the this this is a this is a uh, a it was it's a huge everyone all the writers on Twitter are very mad. GQ published a piece by film critic Jason Bailey uh, that was very critical of David Zasloff. Then an editor went in and gutted the story. And when Bailey asked to have his name taken off it, they pulled the story entirely. And then it got read by a million more people because they found it on, uh, you know, the the Internet archives. Um, David Zasloff looks petty and kind of small. GQ looks really bad and foolish here for violating their own uh, principles. It turns out the editor... Uh, of GQ uh, was involved. The editor, the editor in chief of the top editor of GQ, was involved with this story. He's producing a film with Warner Brothers. The whole thing uh, has been Streisand affected uh, to the moon. I, I just like I. What is? What are they? What are they do? Is there nobody under there over there who has any idea of how PR works? Well, it's it's uh, you know I mean they're in the position when you know when there's uh, Chinese brother when there's when there's order under the heavens. Uh, Bad, big problems become little problems, and little problems disappear. There's disorder under the heavens. Uh, little problems become big problems, and big problems become disasters. Um, and that's that's kind of where they are because there's there. So, for starters, the, the Holly, uh, there there always has to be one studio head who's like behind the eight ball, who's like turn it is in the barrel, and it's like everything that happens will will uh resound to what an idiot how can how can bob chapek or or whoever be running this place and it's it's usually uh someone who's a a newcomer to studio headdom who has not uh inspired 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 the fanboy devotion i i think bob Iger could 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 do another 15 years of screw-ups before uh each one of them 10 times the size of uh of David Zaslav's before there would ever be a piece written like that about him. Um, but, uh, you know, it is, it is David Zaslav's turn and he's made some missteps uh, that have aggregated. The other thing that, that Hollywood hates that, that will get you for uh, Hollywood is Hollywood is the ultimate, like bully in the lunchroom, just like going around, like picking on, on, on the nerds there. And anyone who seems like they want it too much, that they want Hollywood too much. You're, you're just, You've just put a target on your back uh, if uh, if you do that. And David Zaslav uh, seemed like he very much wanted to wanted wanted to be a studio head and loved this and loved the the red carpets and the premieres and everything. And you you've got to play it cool about that. You're you're not even supposed to be on your on the red carpets of your movies. You're you're barely supposed to show up at your premieres or or at your Oscar party. It's uh, you just have to have to play it very cool about all these things for. Hollywood. On the GQ thing, you know that that that, that article was uh, was just kind of a, a roundup of all the complaints yeah. about David Zaslav. I mean, there wasn't a word in there that hasn't been written five hundred other places. Um, and people on on once again on Twitter are arguing with the the, the wisdom of Twitter. Uh, people are saying like, "Oh, he com- he complained about Zaslav. Zaslav uh, put his foot on it by come. He, he sent his people to complain about this." piece um if you work in trade journalism if if you write a piece about a studio even a piece saying the studio commissary will be open for lunch at 11 30 this this afternoon you can expect uh furious calls from the publicists like you don't 
you don't you don't you don't mention the name of a studio and get uh and not get angry calls like that's that's what they do they sit there they they, they say who's mentioned us let's get really mad at them that's that's what you do all all day long uh and it would be strange if you didn't get that get those calls uh so it you know that that they complained about this little piece is just sort of pro forma way that that uh that that Hollywood operates it's uh, you know GQ responded to that in a very strange uh not uh not journalistically uh sound way and uh and and they deserve it but but other than I I haven't seen anything in the reporting that 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 there, there was anything other than they put in a call to an editor there which is the most like happens a thousand times every day at every single studio as a result of it. look at an article in the trades that there was a call made to complain about it. I, it's, yeah. it's just always done. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, again, I, I can't imagine David Zasloff there, you know, looking at the printout that has been put on his desk and, you know, flying into a rage. I mean, they, uh, he, he, he's, he's new at this. They are all new at this and they are, they're sensitive and, and uh, to to the way he's being portrayed, and they're not they're not they're not cavalier about it. But I, I can't imagine that this particular piece uh, provoked any extraordinary like John Malone John Malone calling uh, the head of head of Condé uh, Nast and demanding heads are on the platter or anything like that. So. Yeah. Uh, well, that was uh, that was pretty much everything I wanted to ask. Uh, as you know, Richard, I like to I like to close these interviews by asking if there's anything I should have asked. What should folks know about the state of the industry uh, or or uh, other topics? Well, uh, you, I mean, you 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 didn't ask me how I'm doing a, a week after the death of Alan Arkin. That's one thing. Or, well, I'm how how did it hit you hard? Was that a was that a it's, big? It's been big a tough week. It's uh, our greatest living actor. Our great. I mean. There, there, there was a man you 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 could not just watch read you 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 could you you would pay to watch him just look at a phone book, uh, let alone read a phone book. I mean that 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 was and you know to think that, and to, you know the nineteen seventies, the greatest era of filmmaking, um, someone like uh, like Alan Arkin could be could be a true star, could get get movies made on on his name. Uh, uh, you just it, it 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 just takes you back to a better time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did notice that the uh the Richard Rushfeld uh background picture was at half mast. Yes, that's for the Absolutely. It was which is a, a picture of uh of Alan Arkin looking disapproving at the Golden Globes uh, a couple of years ago. Uh the the uh was 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 a great man. Uh and 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 it's it's you just you you, you can't imagine someone like that becoming a star in uh in these times. The, that's the, well, it could happen he would just need a barrel of hgh yeah, the, like an entire gallon drum like 50 gallon yeah. drum of hgh it could, exactly. it could still happen don't uh, uh, don't count don't count them out it's uh you know and we'll, we'll, but we'll in-laws will will be with us always so yeah. I, I, uh all right anything else um i i the I, I I think those were my that that was my big concern this week. Okay. Oh, oh. Yeah. Fair. Fair. R.I.P. Alan Arkin. Yeah. Uh, my friend Bill Ryan wrote a nice little appreciation at the Bulwark. So hopefully folks check that out if they have not uh, already. 
Uh, all right, Richard, thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, a pleasure as always. Always a pleasure as your first and last guest. <laughs> that, that, don't say that. Not yet. Not one day, <laughs> one day in the future. Or for the prophecy, days. as the yeah. prophecy foretold, yeah. it will be uh, Richard Rushfeld, uh, first and final. All right. Uh, thanks for being on the show. Uh, again, my name is Sunny Bunch. I'm culture editor at The Bulwark, uh, and I will be back next week with another episode. We'll see you guys then. Mm-hmm.